Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. One of the most important, but perhaps one of the more difficult signs for us to consider is the kind of spirit that we have. And when we consider our spiritual life, considering the kind of spirit, some might use the word attitude, that we have is important. You know, when it comes to the Christian life and when it comes to kind of thinking about how am I doing spiritually, you know, we can look to different areas and some are easier than others to be able to consider, well, did I do that or did I not do that? You know, one of the easiest, most simple things to consider is, am I gathering together with the church body? Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. It's very easy for you and for me to know, was I in the church service or not, right? Either I was there or I was not there. It's a pretty simple yes or no kind of a question. And so sometimes people can really rely on that and say, well, check, I was there for the church service, I must be good. Or no, I wasn't there, you know, maybe I need to do a little bit better and, and things like that. And the Bible does say, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's an important one and one that we should consider. But one that is just as important, and I believe more telling, is your spirit. Now, your spirit is a little bit harder of a thing to maybe consider because there's no indicator of zero to 100 or yes or no with our spirit, but it's one that is important for us to think about. Not just did I come to church, but did I come to church with the right spirit? Not just was I involved with the ministry, but was I involved in the ministry with the right spirit? And to consider the kind of spirit that we have is vital for us when we consider, how am I doing spiritually? When you look at all of the men and women in the Bible, uh, we certainly have to look back and, and uh, really admire the lives that they lived, the faith that they had in the Lord, considering you know, the trials that they went through and, and all of the difficulties and, and uh, just some of the things that you and I would think, I don't know if I would be able to do that. You know, Peter walking on the water. He said, Lord, if it be thee, bid me come out on the water. And he walked on the water. I mean, I don't know if I would be, uh, have that kind of faith to step out on the water if I saw Jesus walking there. But Peter did. And there's so many other stories and individuals. One of the most incredible, in my eyes, is Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel was somebody who went through a lot of things in his life, and, and we'll talk about some of those things later, but one of the key traits that is noted about Daniel, and, and uh, you can write it down if you want, Daniel chapter number five, it says, for as much as an excellent spirit was found in the same Daniel. What's incredible was despite all of the things that Daniel went through, he still maintained an excellent spirit when we want to think about how am I doing spiritually? Am I growing spiritually? Am I where I should be spiritually? Our spirit needs to be considered. In Luke chapter number nine, there's an incident with uh, Jesus and his disciples. And, and the Bible there says, and it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. 
So here is Jesus. He's with his disciples. He's on his way to Jerusalem. The Bible says, and sent messengers before his face, and they went and entered into a village of the Samaritans to make ready for him. So there's a village of the Samaritans. Jesus sends somebody to prepare the way for him. He goes over there, and the Bible says, and they did not receive him. So Jesus let him know, I'm going to come there. He goes there, and they didn't receive him because his face was as though he would go to Jerusalem. Uh, they could tell from his countenance that he was just going through on his way to Jerusalem. On his mind was what was going to happen at Jerusalem. And the Bible says that when his disciples James and John saw this, they said, Lord, you can imagine how they might say this, Lord, Wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, even as Elias did? So if you know your Bibles, this is a reference to in the Old Testament when Elijah the prophet was sitting there on, on the hill and uh, the king sent his soldiers to go over, bring, tell Elijah he needs to come over here. And uh, Elijah says, if I be a man of God, let fire fall down from heaven and consume thee and thy 50. And, uh, you know, that happened a couple of times before the third one came and humbly said, if you will come, will you come to the king? And, and Elijah went with him. And so James and John are remembering the story and saying, oh, look at these people. They're not receiving you. Do you want us to call down fire from heaven and consume them? You could sense the excitement in their voice. I, I want to I see this happen. But the Bible says Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, You know not what manner of spirit you're of. He said, You need to stop and think about the kind of spirit that you have. Is it a loving spirit? Obviously not. A patient spirit? Of course not. And so Jesus is telling them, you need to consider your spirit. And so you and I, of course, also need to check our spirit. So let me ask you this kind of a, a question. What kind of spirit do you have? What kind of spirit do you have? What kind of spirit do you have when you're here during the church services? What kind of spirit do you have when you're at home with your family, when nobody else is around, and when you're tired from a long day of work, or maybe you've been going through a lot of things in your life? What kind of spirit do you have in your home, in your living room, when you're with your husband or your, or, or your wife, or with your kids, or with your parent, your siblings? What kind of spirit do you have? What kind of spirit do you have when you go to work and you're interacting with your coworkers, your boss, or maybe you're managing some people and things are not going exactly how you wanted them to go? What kind of spirit do you have? So I want to take a look at a few simple considerations for our spirit. The first of which is the range of your spirit. Now, uh, there, this, is, this list that I'm about to give you is, of course, not conclusive. I, there's all sorts of different kinds of spirits that we might have, but just to kind of uh, throw a few of these out here, just for you to consider, just for you to think about, and maybe just to kind of uh, uh, poke your, uh, your spirit and just kind of uh, maybe think about some of these things. Let's, let's kind of contrast some of these spirits. On the one hand, you might have a godly spirit. On the other hand, you might have an ungodly spirit. And let's just think about ourselves. All right, where on this spectrum are we? Are we on this side? Are we on this side? Could we grow even more 
to having a godly spirit or have we noticed ourselves slipping a little bit into an ungodly spirit? Let me just throw a few of these out here at you. The first of which is a loving spirit, a loving spirit. You know, the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13 talks about charity or love. We would use the word love these days. So love, what kind of uh, spirit is a loving spirit? Well, a loving spirit suffereth long, is patient. You know, on the one hand, if we want to have a loving spirit, then we will be patient. But let's just be honest, we can be impatient at times, impatient with our wives, impatient with our husbands, impatient with our kids, impatient with our coworkers and things like that. And we can grow impatient. Love also is kind. You know, uh, and not just uh, when things are going well, but also maybe when they're doing things that maybe you don't like and maybe uh, things are not going your way. The Bible says that charity is kind. Love is kind. Charity also envieth not. You know, you could contrast this with having an envious spirit or a contented spirit. Are you content with what God has given to you, even though maybe God has blessed somebody else with more money, more possessions, more things? And it's easy for us to look across the room and say, oh, look at that person. They bought a house. Look at that person. They got a new car. Look at that person. They look at that vacation that they were able to go to. And, and it can draw out of us a little bit of jealousy and envy. I wish I had that. How come God isn't enabling me? And, and I got to have those things too. And, and, and so we can easily grow into having an envious spirit. The Bible continues that charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. All right, what is a loving spirit? A loving spirit is one that lifts others up. But I think that you've noticed that if you, you go out into the world, you see people online and you see TV shows and things like that, it's full of people putting others down, cutting them down. And, and uh, we need to be careful that that's not the area in which we go to, that we're not putting people down with our words, that we're not cutting them down, but we're encouraging them. Yeah, of course, nobody is perfect, but we want to lift them up and encourage them. It's easy to point out the flaws of somebody else, to point out when somebody else makes a mistake, but it takes love to be able to build them up and encourage them and to edify them. The Bible says that charity doth not behave itself unseemly, it seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. It's easy for us to assume the worst about somebody. I, I know exactly why they did that when you really don't know why they did that. Maybe there was something going on in their lives. Maybe they're have, uh, going through a tough time. Maybe uh, they said something, but they meant something else. And sometimes we can read too deeply into something when a loving spirit would, would try to give them the benefit of the doubt, would not be easily provoked. So we have a loving spirit and, and we have this spectrum of different things that we might consider. How do we treat others? Are we patient with others? Are we, are we kind with others? Are, are we building up others? Let's consider also a joyful spirit. You might have a joyful spirit and contrasted that with other kinds of spirits. You might have a, an angry spirit on the other end. John chapter 15, verse number 11 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. So God desires that we have a joyful spirit. Uh, the Bible says, Rejoice evermore. Second Corinthians says, As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. And so God desires that no matter what you're going through in your life, that we ought to rejoice. And to rejoice in the Lord always, and again, I say, rejoice. So we have to have a joyful spirit. Contrasting that with maybe a different kind of a spirit, let's consider an angry spirit. 
Ephesians chapter 4, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So let's not have an angry spirit when things don't go our way. Are we raising our voice? Are we yelling out? Are we, you know, pushing and making our way uh, through to get what we want when maybe uh, somebody disagrees with us? James chapter 1 says, Wherefore, my brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And so God encourages us, let's not have an angry spirit. Let's not respond in, angry, in, in anger when things don't go our way, when somebody disagrees with us, when, when maybe we're really trying to get something, we're not able to achieve our goals, being willing to forgive. I remember being told about someone who told, uh, you know, telling others some, quite frankly, unkind and untrue things about me. And uh, maybe you've heard and, uh, uh, things like that said about you. You know, you heard from somebody, hey, did you know that somebody was saying this about you and, and uh, you know, or did this and, you know, and I'm sure that we've all faced uh, situations and circumstances like that. And, you know, the natural fleshly response is always, oh, that's what you're going to do to me? Well, let me tell you what I'm going to say about you, you know, and, uh, you know, I was thinking, ah, th these things aren't even true. You know, and oh, this person's going to make untrue statements about me. Okay, I can make untrue statements about you too. Or, you know, and, and that's a natural fleshly response. But the spiritual response is one that is willing to try to forgive. One that is willing to be patient. One that is willing to be true even when others are not. And, and God has called us to, uh, to be willing to forgive. Anger is certainly not going to solve the problem. A related spirit to an angry spirit is a bitter spirit. Some people, when they don't get their way, they explode. You know, and you could tell, you know, they, they get hot and they get angry and they start yelling and they start saying things. And you could tell when they, 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 that, that anger begins to pour out, they've lost their temper. But a bitter spirit can sometimes kind of go under the radar. The Bible says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Maybe when somebody says something wrong to you or about you, maybe you're not going to explode right then at the moment, but deep down inside, you harbor some bitterness against them, and uh, you're not going to help them. You're not going to do your best to support them. Even if they have a good idea, you're, you're always going to find out the fault of why uh, that's not going to work. And there can be some bitterness that goes under the surface that maybe it doesn't look like uh, they're, not, they're not yelling at them, but there can be some bitterness there. So we've got to contrast these things of where, where on the spectrum are we? Are we maintaining a joyful spirit even when things don't go our way? Or do we respond maybe with anger or bitterness? Another kind of spirit is a submissive spirit. God has called us to be submissive, first of all, to the Lord. James chapter 4 says, submit yourselves therefore to God. When you hear the word of God telling you to do something, what is your initial reaction? Is your reaction, yes, Lord, yes. All right, I'm going to do that. I, I want to follow you. I want to obey you. Or is your initial reaction like, oh, no, 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 that's for somebody else. I don't want to do that. You know, you have this submissive spirit contrasted with a rebellious spirit. The Bible even continues further, not just that we would submit ourselves to God, but in Ephesians chapter 5, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. First Peter chapter 5 says, likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another 
and be clothed with humility. You know where submissive spirits come from? They come from humility. You know where a rebellious spirit comes from? It comes from pride. You know what pride says? Pride says, I don't have to do that. I'm not going to obey. I'm not going to submit. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's what pride says. Humility says, God, you are God, and I will submit myself to you. And even in our relationships with others, we might submit ourselves to one another. Why? Because God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. So you have this contrast of spirits. You have a joyful spirit, an angry spirit. You have a loving spirit and an unloving spirit. Let's continue on. A confident spirit versus a fearful spirit. Some people have a fearful spirit. Anytime something potentially could go wrong, we're like, oh no, I don't know if we could do this. I don't know if we should do that. Any problem becomes a stopping point. Whereas those that are trusting in the Lord, they are confident knowing, well, if God has called us to do it, God will enable us to do it. We must go do it. And that is the confidence. I don't know how it's going to work. I just know God has told us what to do. God will enable us to do it, and so we must move forward. So you can see the contrast between a confident spirit and a fearful spirit. And let's just be honest, we all know that fear sells. We know that fear draws people's attention. You look at the news, fear draws people's attention. You look uh, at the movies, you know, some of the most uh, uh, common movies you begin to see out there didn't, didn't used to be this way, but you have a lot of horror films and, and a suspense and things like that. They know that fear is something that, that can draw people in. And so we need to be very careful that we are not drawn into fear, that we are not motivated by fear, that we do things not because we are commanded to follow the Lord, but we move away from our fears. And that's a natural reaction. If we fear a financial tragedy, we might move away from giving generously financially. If we fear uh, how others might perceive us, then we might be less uh, willing to witness or to speak about our faith. And if we fear what our bosses might say and uh, whether or not we'll get that raised, then we'll keep our, 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 our mouths quiet about the Bible and about the things of God. And, and so you can see the difference between a confident spirit and, uh, and a trusting spirit versus maybe a fearful spirit. Another kind of a spirit is an encouraging spirit. It's good to have an encouraging spirit because everybody needs encouragement. You know, we all need to be encouraged, even if we know what we're supposed to do and we want to do the right thing and we're doing the right thing, it's always good to be encouraged, to say, brother, it's good to see you here today. I'm glad to see that you're continuing to be faithful in the ministry and things like that. Contrasting an encouraging spirit with a critical spirit. Boy, you know, we've all been around critical people. They're always noticing the faults and the mistakes and, and uh, always tell you how you could have done better. And, uh, you know, you could do the right thing 99 times in a row and they'll not say anything. But the one time you make a mistake, they're like, hey, you made a mistake over there. It's like, ah, so you were paying attention. You just didn't say anything for the other 99, you know. And, you know, we, we need encouragement. We want encouragement. But it's not always easy to have an encouraging spirit. It's much easier to point out the faults and the flaws. You know, if uh, somebody has a blemish uh, on, on their face or somebody has like a stain on their clothes, uh, you know, it doesn't matter that 99.999% of their clothes are perfectly clean. It's that one little stain from when they had spaghetti, you know, at lunchtime and a little bit of sauce got on their shirt. That's the one thing that you notice. And uh, not just with their appearance, but also sometimes with their actions or their words. 
You know, we use a lot of words in a day and, uh, you know, people say thousands and tens of thousands of words, but suddenly you say one thing wrong and, boy, your friends, they'll get on you, huh, right? You know, they'll, be, they'll point it out and, you know, it's easy to pick out the flaws of others. For whatever reason, as human beings, it's much harder to just notice all of the good things and encourage them every single time. It's human nature to take those things for granted. Romans chapter 14 says, uh, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Instead of using a, a critical spirit, we might say a judging spirit. Why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set and not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The context here is, oh, I can't believe that brother so-and-so did that. Oh, you know, uh, you know, I thought that they were better than that. I thought that they should have done this, you know. And uh, so there's a judgmental kind of a spirit. And, and Paul, in writing the, this book of, of Romans, is writing and encouraging us, you know what? The only opinion that really matters is the Lord's. So we need to think about, what does the Lord say? For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another anymore, but judge this rather. All right, if we're going to say, all right, this is, this is something that we should improve on, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Instead of complaining about, oh, I can't believe that this person did that or whatever, let's think about, instead of that, how can I help somebody else, right? If somebody is stumbling along in their Christian walk, instead of thinking, oh, man, I thought they were better than that, maybe you could come alongside of them and help them, amen? Wouldn't that be a better spirit to have instead of pointing out, oh, look at him tripping up over there. Oh, man, that guy, man, he's really struggling over there. I can't believe he's not able to make it over that uh, little temptation over there. And, and uh, oh, man, I thought he was so spiritual. But did you hear what I, I heard him say? And look at, you know, instead of being critical of all of these things, maybe we could have a little bit more of an encouraging spirit and say, you know what? Maybe I could come alongside of him and encourage him. Maybe I could come alongside and say, hey, do you need any help in your ministry? Could you use, uh, is there anything I could do for you? Could I pray for you? Related to a critical spirit is a complaining spirit. That's what the children of Israel were known for in the Old Testament, right? They got, they, God comes and sends Moses, the deliverer. They are delivered from Egypt, miraculously, through the ten plagues, they spoiled the Egyptians. They crossed the Red Sea on dry ground and God closes up the waters on the army of Egypt. They are provided for every single day. Every morning, God gave them food. God gave them water. God made that their clothes did not wear out. You know, we have a, we have a child on the way, so I'm imagining, okay, you know what happens when, you know, little babies they grow really fast. And so, you know, these clothes, you pass it down until you, know, you can't pass it down anymore. But the Bible says these clothes, they didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. So you know what I'm picturing? Over 40 years in the wilderness, these clothes get passed from baby to baby to baby to baby year after year. Maybe hundreds of babies were wearing these clothes because they didn't wear out. And so you can imagine that God is providing for them in miraculous and amazing ways. But the moment that they're faced with a problem, you know what they do? They complain. God, you brought us out here to die. God, we are thirsty. God, we are hungry. 
and they're complaining and they're complaining and they're complaining. And you know what? God has to kind of help them out a little bit and say, do you not see my day? Do you not see my grace and that I've delivered you out of Egypt, brought you here, and I'm going to put you into the promised land if you would just trust me? And so it's easy to develop a complaining spirit, to always find the fault instead of looking for God's goodness and God's grace. And, and to look for, hey, you know what? I appreciate what the brother did over there or what sister so-and-so did over there. Now, we do need to make it quite clear that just because you have a godly spirit doesn't mean that you'll have a smile plastered on your face 24 hours a day, seven days a week, right? We know this because of the shortest verse in the Bible, right? John 35 says what? Jesus, yes. right? So there are times for mourning, there are there's time for sorrow, things like that, but also understanding that we, even through those tough times, the valleys, we can have a godly spirit. We can have a spirit that is loving, joyful, encouraging, helpful, submissive, all of these things. So let's consider the kind of spirit do you have. What kind of spirit do you have? If you really want to know, if you're married, ask your spouse. Ask your kids. Hey, have you ever seen me angry before? Oh, they'll tell you. <laughs> I remember five years ago, five years ago, you know, they remember these things. And, you know, you, if you really want to know, ask somebody close to you. And they'll tell you, you know, you, you can really be impatient with people. You know, anytime somebody makes a mistake, you, you could tell you get a little snappy. And, you know, uh, you know, you ask me. And so I'm just trying to be honest here and helpful here. And, you know, sometimes we might surprise ourselves and be like, you know what? Now that I think about it, yeah. I can be impatient with people. Sometimes I can be unkind with my words. Sometimes when I'm frustrated with things, I take it out on other people and, and I raise my voice and things like that. And so, you know, it's good for us just to stop and to consider these things. Which brings us then to the root of our spirit. So whether you have a joyful spirit or an angry spirit, whether you have a submissive spirit or rebellious spirit, where do these spirits come from? Where does an angry spirit come from? Where does a joyful spirit come from? Where does a loving spirit come from? I want to have a joyful spirit, just like I'm sure every one of you wants to have a joyful spirit. I'm sure every one of you wants to have an encouraging spirit rather than a critical or complaining spirit. We all want to have uh, this kind of spirit, but where does this spirit come from? Again, the natural fleshly response is, well, it's not my fault that I got angry. Did you see what that person did? You know, this person just keeps doing it again and again and again and again, and they keep saying it over and over and over and over again. And the reason why I have a fearful spirit is just look around us. Look at the economy. Look at this. Look at that. And look at what the, the government is doing. And look at what people are doing. And uh, I have all sorts of reasons to be fearful. And, and uh, look at how she's been treating me all these years. I have a right to be angry. And, and uh, boy, it's easy to be envious when we look around and we see that, oh, somebody's uh, so-and-so. Look at the house that they have and look at the car that they have. Oh, man, that, it must have been so easy for them. They, they grew up in the, life of, uh, in the lap of luxury and had such an easy life. And if you had to go through the life that I had to go through, then you would understand it. It's easy to think about all of the external reasons why we might give excuses for the kinds of spirits that we have, but God makes it clear and points the finger at our hearts. 
You know where a joyful spirit comes from? It's got to come from your heart. You know where a loving spirit comes from? It's got to come from your heart. Matthew chapter 15, verse number 18. But those things which proceed out of the mouth cometh forth from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defile not a man. Proverbs chapter 4 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it, out of your heart, are the issues of life. Now, I referenced Daniel earlier in the message. And if anybody had an excuse for having a bad attitude and a poor spirit, it would be Daniel. Daniel was taken from his home at a young age. Before he was a fully grown, independent man, he was still a child living in his home. He was taken from his home. And the Bible makes it clear that he was quite knowledgeable, quite talented, you know, kind of one of the cream of the crop. It was because of his talents and his abilities that he was taken from his home. He didn't live the life of luxury and live the life of ease and everybody heaped praises on him and, and paved the road so it was real smooth and every step of the way was no struggle, no pain, no obstacles, no difficulties, no persecutions. Uh, he was taken from his home at a young age to serve the enemy, told to eat foods that God said not to eat. He had to serve alongside these wicked magicians and astrologers. He was made a eunuch. I mean, you think about all of the reasons why somebody might have a bad attitude. Daniel could say, I got the most. But the Bible makes it clear that he had an excellent spirit. It said that in chapter 5. Not only that, it repeats the phrase in chapter number 6, Daniel chapter 6. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes. Why? Because he was smarter than them. He was richer than them. He, was, uh, he, knew, he knew more things. The Bible says that he was preferred. Why? Because an excellent spirit was in him. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, what lies behind us and what lies in front of us pales in comparison to what lies within us. The Bible emphasizes the heart. What's interesting is, if you know the book of Daniel, you'll know that there are some incidences, events recorded in chapter 1, chapter number 2 regarding Daniel. But the first recording of Daniel, you've got an excellent spirit, comes in chapter number 5 and then chapter number 6. Presumably so, because in chapter 1 and 2, he didn't have an excellent spirit, right? And you could understand why. If you were taken from your home, you probably wouldn't have a good attitude either. And you had all of these things happen to you, you probably wouldn't have as good of a spirit either. And presumably so, Daniel had to develop a good spirit. It didn't come natural, just like for all of us. Having a godly spirit doesn't come natural. It's got to come from the Lord. You know where godly spirits come from? They come from the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. So when you get saved and you trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit lives within you. 
Now you have competing forces with your heart. You have the flesh, which is the natural man, and then you have the Holy Spirit and the spiritual man. And they are in spiritual battle locked together every single day of your life here on earth. Where does the godly spirit come from? It comes when the Holy Spirit has victory. The Holy Spirit has victory when we yield ourselves to him. So how can we get that right spirit from the Holy Spirit? Well, we'll take a few cues from the book of Daniel. The first thing that we know about Daniel from chapter number one is that he purposed in his heart to be holy. He purposed in his heart that he would obey the Lord. Daniel chapter 1. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The first thing that we know about Daniel is he determined, I'm going to obey God. That's what we know about Daniel from the very beginning. He said, this is what God said, and I don't care that I'm in a foreign country. I don't care that nobody else is doing these things. I don't care that this is my boss telling me to do this. This is what God told me to do, and I'm going to obey God. And he did all that he could. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. He determined, I'm going to be holy. Psalm chapter 51, verse 10 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know what David understood? He understood, boy, I'm having a bad spirit. And you know why? Because there's sin in my heart. You know where the anger comes from? You know where the jealousy comes from? It comes from sin. And as sin is harbored in our heart, it spreads and it spoils. Sin is the cause of these poor spirits in our hearts and in our lives. We need to be cleansed. You ever have food that spoils? You know what causes the food to spoil? There's a little bacteria inside, right? And as this bacteria is there, the bacteria begins to grow, begins to spoil. You know what? We can't get rid of the bacteria in the, in the food, really, you know? I mean, maybe there's new technology, but you know what? Praise the Lord, God can get into our hearts and cleanse us from all of the bacteria of sin and renew a right spirit within us. If we want to have that excellent spirit, you can't do it by yourself. You can't force yourself to have a joyful spirit and just force a smile on your face all the time. You know, you could smile for the camera, but, you know, deep down in your heart, if there's not joy, there's not joy. Also, secondly, what we know is that Daniel prayed with thanksgiving. In chapter number six, we read already he had an excellent spirit who's preferred above the presidents and above the princes. He was the top. Now, he was a carryover from the old empire. And so you could imagine all of the new presidents and princes, they didn't like that guy. They thought they would get promoted, but instead it's Daniel from the Persian empire, from Israel. He's the one that's preferred, and they didn't like that. So they went snooping around trying to find out every fault that, that they could find. And they said, you know what? We're not going to find anything unless we find it against his God. And so they went up to the king and they said, king, we got a great idea. Man, you are the best king ever. Let's have it so that for the next 30 days, 
Only you can be worshipped. It's against the law for anybody to worship any other god except you. And he said, yeah, that does sound pretty good. I like that law. All right, let's sign it. And he signed it into law, and uh, it's a law that could not be changed. And the Bible says that in verse number 10, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he heard, uh-oh, they wrote a law, they brought it to the king, and he signed it. The Bible says he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled uh, upon his knees three times a day and prayed and what? Gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. You know what? This would be the perfect time to complain to God, right? God, I've been doing all of these things. I've been obedient to you. I've been trying to do the right thing. And this is what happens to me, right? That, that's how maybe our flesh would like to respond. God, I've been so faithful. I've already endured all of this. I've been trying to be faithful all of these years. And now I'm here close to the end of my life. And this is what happens to me, right? This is going to be my end. I'm going to be thrown into the lion's den, you know? And, and this is how it's all going to... It would be easy to co uh, be uh, complaining to God. But that's not what Daniel did. The Bible says, as he did aforetime, he prayed three times a day, giving thanks. Even if you're in the biggest problem of your life, you have something to be thankful for. In fact, you have more things to be thankful for than to complain about. So many more. Every day of your life, God has made the sun to rise. You know who makes the sun to rise? God does. You know, every day we have a breath, hundreds of breaths every single day. You know who gives us that breath? God gave it to us. And God's going to give it And another one. And another one. Faithfully, day after day after day. You have a mind that continues to work and continues to reason and continues to function. You know where your mind comes from? Comes from the Lord. I mean, everything, every time we have a meal, that comes from the Lord. The Bible says that every good and perfect gift cometh from above. Every good thing in your life is from God. And let's be honest, we've got a lot of good things in our life. We have so many good things. If you're saved, you have salvation for all of eternity. We have the scriptures in our hands. We have a church. We have people around us that also love God and want to serve the Lord together. And we have breath and we have life and we have opportunity and we have freedom to preach and to sing and to witness. And we have so much each and every day. It's easy for us to focus in on the one thing that's a problem in our life when instead, you know what will help us to have a good attitude? To realize, you know what? God has given me more than I deserve. That's what grace is. You know what grace is? Grace is God's favor that says, I want to give you more than you deserve. And we've all had God's grace. We've all got more than we deserve. We don't deserve to be here. We don't deserve to have what we have. It's all by the grace of God. If we got what we deserve, we wouldn't be here. We are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Boy, God's been very good to us. Verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that who are the called according to his purpose. Even if you're going through a tough time, you can know that this will work out for my good. 
Maybe we don't understand how, we don't understand why, but that's how God works. Philippians chapter 4, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Hey, if you're really struggling with being fearful about things, thank the Lord for what you do have, and then pray to God for help. And that'll help you to have the right spirit. Thirdly, remember your Savior. Hebrews chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. If God could be faithful for us, let us be faithful to him. And also understand, we need the strength of the Lord if we will have a joyful spirit, a loving spirit. Let's depend upon the Lord. Now, we've taken a look at a range of different kinds of spirits that we have. And it's not always that we're maybe angry all the time, but we can notice an angry spirit might appear. We might have a jealous spirit, a critical spirit, and it's not always there, but you have a range. So let's consider that and understand if we want to have a good and godly spirit, where does it come from? Of course, it comes from the Lord. And we must submit ourselves to the Lord, obey the Lord, ask the Lord for strength, pray, give thanksgiving. But thirdly, what I want to see is the reward for your spirit. You ever been in a bad spirit, have a bad attitude, and it feels good to have that bad attitude? You ever been there? You're really in a, in a critical kind of a spirit, and you don't want to get out of it. You want to stay in it. It, it. You know, you feel justified in it. You feel righteous in it. I am right to be able to complain about this thing, to criticize that person, and, and uh, I'm right to be angry. In the moment, sometimes we can feel even good in that, and sometimes people don't understand. Why should I have a loving spirit? Well, we should have a loving spirit. We should have a joyful spirit. We should have a godly spirit because your relationships depend upon your spirit. You know, your wife doesn't care how much money you have if you're angry all the time, right? right? If you have somebody near you that it doesn't matter how smart they are, if they're the most critical person, you just don't want to be around them, right? Your relationships depend upon your spirit. You need to have the right spirit sometimes we can get off track and focused on the wrong thing, on being smarter, on being more successful, on being wealthier. But often, it is the most successful people that have the worst spirit. Sometimes when you look at some of these successful people and you see them on TV, you see them with the books that they write or all sorts of things. They just look like, wow. But then later you find out who they really were. You know, Steve Jobs is one of the most successful people in the modern era, for sure. Right? He started Apple Computers, today the largest company in America, 
largest company in the world, I think. He started Pixar, right? You know all the Pixar movies? He started Pixar. I mean, he's, by the world's definition, very, very successful. And yet, if you know anything about Steve Jobs, you'll know, boy, he could really destroy people and really tear them down. The saying around those people with, around Steve Jobs was, don't get in an elevator with Steve Jobs because you might not have a job when you get out. I mean, that's the kind of spirit that Steve Jobs had. He could lavish praise on you and then just rip you to pieces the next moment. Not exactly the kind of person that you would want to be around. Perhaps the most successful person that we might consider today, quote unquote successful, is Elon Musk, right? Started PayPal, right? Some of you might use PayPal. He started that way back in the 90s. Tesla, we know about Tesla. SpaceX, now Twitter, right? Called X, right? You know, we might say, wow, look how wealthy he is. Look how successful he's been. Well, there's a, a biography that's coming out. I think it may have come out already. And in it, the author describes something about him that he called demon mode, which was basically watch out. And his former wife knew about it. His coworkers knew about it. And when he was getting into that mode, you better get out if you possibly can. And sometimes these people are uplifted so much and yet they destroy the people around them. You know what God wants us to do? Not destroy the people around us, but to build them up, to encourage them, to help them. And you know where that's going to start? It's going to start from our spirit. You know, having an angry spirit is not going to help people. Having a critical spirit, a complaining spirit, a selfish spirit, an envious spirit. That's not going to help people. You know what's going to help people? A submissive spirit, a joyful spirit, a loving spirit. That's what's going to help people. Verse number, uh, Galatians chapter 5, earlier we saw this, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you go back two verses, it says, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, but... If ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. Paul is writing and he's saying, you guys are destroying yourselves. Just get back to the Lord and you can build each other up instead of tearing each other down. So let's consider what kind of spirit that we have.